Welcome in to the best in paranormal podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Got a very interesting show for you today, folks. I have a guest with us today. You know, we it's not the first time we've delved into ITC, uh, into a realm that, you know, for some of us, we might say, well, instrumental transcommunication is a field that if we're not psychic, we feel like we can get into and, and hear the voices of the departed. But... My guest today would tell you that you do need to be a little bit intuitive in order to uh, get into ITC, which this is going to be an interesting conversation today. I, I, I get the feeling that we all do have a little bit of the intuitive in us, and I'll bring this up with our, our guest today, Joshua Lewis. He has a very interesting uh, communication device called the Hope Spirit Box, or S HSB-1. I downloaded his app to try it, uh, and I found it very interesting. We're going to talk about that today as well. Uh, his his app is amazing, and if you go and watch some of his videos on YouTube, we'll have a link in the, in the description of this program so you can go watch some of his videos as well. They're very intriguing. Let me tell you a little bit about Joshua. We'll bring him on the program. We'll get this discussion started. Joshua Lewis is someone with a troubled past. He struggled to understand the world around him and his purpose within it. Following a simple spiritual path, he would come to understand his purpose in a very profound way. In 2012, his intuitive nature drew him to seek the truth regarding paranormal events and the existence of an afterlife. What he got was way more than what he bargained for. As his intuitive abilities developed, he discovered he was able to communicate with souls on the other side. With his new group, HOPE, which stands for Helpers of Paranormal Entities, and his intuitive ability, he dedicated his time to helping stuck spirits cross over as well as grieving people look for closure. Using a wide array of technological devices combined with intuitive means, Josh has been able to successfully reconnect many people with their deceased loved ones. In addition to his work and research into the afterlife, Josh is a devoted father and owner of a su successful hookah bar cafe and filmmaker and a successful speaker at that. I got a chance to watch one of his uh, talks uh, online before our show. And I got to tell you, Joshua, I am impressed. Welcome in to Darkness Radio. Oh, thanks, Tim. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Always a pleasure to be able to speak about what I do. So thank you for having me. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit uh, first about... Uh, about uh, how you came into the paranormal, and we'll we'll get into ITC, and we'll get into the uh, the uh, the app, and we'll we'll get into the into ITC itself, and 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 a little bit about why people may have an issue with it, and a little bit about whether we need to be intuitive in order to to work with ITC. Um, let's talk first about your your paranormal awakening. We'll, we'll call it that. Um, how was it you discovered the the paranormal and got into the paranormal and and what brought you across its path? Yeah, I mean, I had done, um, I, as you read in my bio there, that I had kind of a, a, a wild past over about 20 years ago, and I had to go away for a couple of years. I had addiction in my life, and, um, you know, I got clean and sober in um, 20, uh, let's see, what is my date? Uh, it's uh, June 17th, 2005. So I've, I'm coming up on 19 years. Um, and when I got out of, uh, you know, quote unquote, government summer camp, <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, 
I had to start over from scratch and, uh, you know, I just really started working at businesses. I started, you know, making some money. Um, I did pretty well for myself when I, when I got out and there was a point where I had made enough money that I could kind of take some time off. And I started focusing more on the spiritual nature of life and, um, really just kind of discovering my own connection uh, with my higher power, whom I choose to call God. And, 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 you know, I call Jesus Christ as my, you know, my Lord and Savior. But, you know, that's, it's for, you know, I, I'm not into religion. That's the thing is that I'm into just, you know, connection with a higher power. And so sure. as I was discovering that, um, I saw some people on YouTube doing some paranormal investigations, of course, like anyone else had watched taps and ghost hunters and, and, and ghost adventures with Zach and all that. And I, I questioned whether what I was seeing on TV, whether it was real and what, what they were actually dramatizing and what was actually legitimate. I remember seeing a couple of people on YouTube doing some spirit box work. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. So I purchased a PSB seven and a voice recorder and I would go out to um, different, you know, cemeteries and abandoned buildings and things like that. And we would record stuff. And sure enough, you know, there was some very intelligent responses that were undeniable that were not coming from radio. They were coming, they were saying my name. They were, they were answering me directly at times. So the only thing I knew to do was to call on my faith and start praying. And it's really, I don't think I'm like something special or chosen. I just really started praying for any um, soul that I felt was there. And I would hear these thank yous and I could see light and they would say, you know, I can see light and I feel light. They'd say, and I I'd hear those kinds of things. And, and so I started working with a medium. I invited a medium to come out with me, which I was on the fence with, with regarding mediums and, um, and she started picking up some really interesting stuff that was undeniable. Mm -hmm. Shortly after working with this woman out in the field, I started picking up stuff. My partner, Nikki, started picking up stuff, significant others. She would pick up um, some things intuitively. I would, too. And that's when I discovered that, you know, hey, there's something going on. And I started working with a woman. Uh, I found a woman. Her name was Deborah Lynn Katz. And she's a Ph.D., and she is someone who, uh, you know, has really worked hard at developing her intuitive ability and then worked with other people to help develop their intuitive ability. And so working with her was really amazing. She um, one of the first times and I talk about this in my in my talks and stuff like that, um, is that one of the first things she did was she said, Hey, Josh, I'm going to kind of see where you're at intuitively. I'm just going to give you a name. I'm not going to tell you if they're dead or alive. I'm not going to tell you anything else. And I'm just going to ask you to tell me what you get for 30 minutes, um, you know, uh, with that name. And I'm not going to even give you any feedback. So you're just going to have to tell me what you get for 30 minutes. And you don't know if you're going down the wrong path or what you're getting. And so for 30 minutes, I would tell her this, you know, I said, okay, she said this name and Manny and, she, and I started uh, saying, oh, I see this young kid in his teens. I see that he's like a mixed uh, ethnicity. I see him riding a four wheeler in the desert. I see him uh, playing the guitar. I see a sombrero somewhere. I see, um, you know, a number of other things that were very random. It seemed. 
And then at the end of the 30 minutes, she said, okay, that's enough. I've written it all down. She says, and I'm going to tell you, she goes, so Manny, she said, is my son who is alive. And she says, and, uh, you know, we live in the desert. His father is Filipino. I'm white. She said, um, he rides his four wheeler around in the desert. He plays the guitar in his room on his wall. He has a sombrero hanging on his wall. And uh, and a number of other, th other things that she confirmed. So that was a really eye opening experience because everything I felt like I was getting, I felt was wrong. I felt was random. I felt didn't make sense. Yeah. And so there all of a sudden it really boosted my uh, my confidence that what I was getting, I didn't have to fully understand it but that it was going to make sense to some degree. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's where, and then, you know, skip to now. And I've done over 3000 mediumship readings. Um, I, and of course, in addition to doing that intuitive work where I'm just doing mediumship readings with just me, my ability, no, nothing else. I never lost my roots with the equipment. I always still, wanted to incorporate equipment, not in every time I do something intuitively, but a lot of the times, you know, now doing ITC, instrumental transcommunication, which is using an instrument, whether it is uh, a radio, a uh, recorder, a TV, I mean, you could use a number of different electronics. Um, and when done right and objectively looked at and with certain controls in place, you can actually, you know, make um, a real connection with the other side. And so, you know, I started using my ability and then at times able to verify or validate my what I got intuitively by using equipment. Yeah. And, and so the answers would come through the equipment. So, you know, and I'll just say this before you ask another question is that instrumental transcommunication has a has a, a pretty uh, a deep history. Um, it spans about over a hundred years ago. Um, guys like Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, um, lesser known guys like uh, a brilliant Latvian psychologist named Konstantin uh, Radovau, um, Frederick Jurgensen, who is a, a, um, a German filmmaker. Um, these are all kind of like the quote unquote forefathers of uh, uh, instrumental transcommunication, where they all built some type of apparatus or used some type of device to communicate. And these were brilliant men. These weren't like, you know, new age d dudes that, you know, um, would believe anything that they got. They were scientists. They were doctors. They were brilliant people that weren't just going to subscribe to anything. They were going to you know, use certain protocols, scientific protocols to, to really kind of cross examine what they were getting and see if it's just, if it's just false positives or if it's actually real communication and they all got real communication. So, you know, in the spirit of what those guys were doing, I threw my hat into the game and said, you know, I'm not going to just, you know, there's plenty of mediums out there. You know, mm -hmm. there's no question. There's, you know, um, there's no question of actual verifiable good mediums. But I think that the future of spirit communication is not just intuitive means, but I think it is also um, electronic and using, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, the, the, you know, those kinds of things. And, and I'm not talking about like anything 
excuse me, anything with AI or anything like that. I don't sure. think that's really the way to go. Right. I think it's actually, you know, giving them an actual voice. So that's what I do. And now I've done over 500 box sessions, personal private box sessions for people where I have to use my ability, like you mentioned in the opening, I have to use my ability to intuitively connect to the the intended soul. Um, but then I give them a chance to come through my equipment as well. And uh, it's very advanced stuff. And, and a lot of people in the paranormal community, um, you know, without taking anything away from them, I think there's some great people that are just not ready to, to, to sign on to some of the stuff that I'm doing. Um, some people have said, Hey, you're, you know, you're fake or this is fake. There's just no way that this could be real. I understand that skepticism, but it doesn't make it any less real what I'm doing. You know, and I've worked with some PhDs other than Deborah. I've worked with, um, the Bix Institute, Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies. I've spoken at, um, the Monroe Institute and, and Irva conferences, uh, the uh, International Remote Viewing Association. So, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to put my put my money where my mouth is in the sense that um, there's no part of my process that is off limits, proprietary or, you know, behind the curtain like the Great Oz. I, I could always show what it is I'm doing, the processes I'm using, sound sources, things like that. I think that's important. So that is, that's where I'm at yeah. today. Yeah, very much so. Um, we have a, I would say, a common acquaintance, common friend and between the two of us, that being Frank Sumption, uh, in the mm. in the mid two thousands, we ran some some trips with the the Ghost Hunters guys and the Ghost Adventures guys. And when we were up at the Stanley Hotel, and I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven, uh, Frank Sumption had given us one of his boxes to use yep. uh, at, at one of our trips. To say that it was a a very interesting experience is, is putting it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some yeah. wild stuff through that box. I know in one of your videos, you, you cite that Frank had given you one of his boxes, which is a rare, rare not only a rare treat, but a rare gift. Um, but you said you had some issues with that. And I was wondering if you could expound on that here on the program as to, as to what the issues are that you have with the Frank's box. I don't think there was really any issues. I think what I, there was a story. So I had the pleasure in 13 um, to 2013 of, of getting to know Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Frank was a very uh, eccentric yes. uh, yep. guy. He was someone that was, uh, you know, he was not afraid to tell you what he thought. Yep. Um, and, and so, you know, he either kind of liked you or he didn't. And, um, you know, I don't claim to be best friends with the guy, but I mean, we got to know each other, um, briefly over a course of a year of just exchanging messages. And I was able to actually purchase, he didn't give me one. I purchased a Frank's box, which is right here up on my shelf. You really can't see it. I know we're, I know we're not on video here, but I have it. I have it on my my shelf because it's kind of like the centerpiece of, you know, I mean, he's, he's the guy that really created, um, not ITC, but he was the guy that created the, the skip radio, um, you know, spirit box. So he was yes. the one, you know, before there was a PSB seven, before there was any other type of, 
you know, skipping radio box. He was the one that did it. Yeah. And what's interesting about Frank, I'll just kind of tell you because, you know, it's, um, and I became really good friends with his, uh, niece, Kelly. Um, I was at an event in Ohio doing an event with someone and she get, she got to come and I got to, you know, get to know her as well. But, you know, Frank was, um, so I purchased this box off someone and then I, after starting to get to know Frank, I, I said, Hey, I'd love to send you this box to have you kind of tune it up a little bit. And he said, you know, yeah, he goes, he would do that, you know, and he wasn't going to charge me for it. He was going to just, you know, kind of see what, what, if there was anything loose in it or anything, it worked very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it, so there's nothing wrong with the box. It was a little noisy, just like a PSB seven spirit box. So but, you know, it had, he was the first person to use one, you know, the radio band. So it's, it's using like an AM or FM uh, and it's skipping the stations. You can kind of on the box, you can choose the skip rate, whether it's a fast skip or a slow skip. And he also was the first to incorporate echo um, yep. or reverb, I should say. Yep. And so, you know, anyone out there that's claiming that they were the first to kind of incorporate reverb and all this other stuff is not paying homage to, to Frank. So, and there are some people out there that, that claim like they're the ones that, you know, that did that. And I, I think that's kind of crappy, but anyway. Um, and so what was interesting was that Frank didn't create these boxes at first that wasn't what his, I mean, he, he, you know, he told me straight out, um, I, you know, I did not create these to speak with spirits. I created these to speak with ETs. Yeah. Um, and so that was something, and he used to put on his boxes, he would put a little, you know, he would use a wood burner and he would burn these numbers, you know, so he'd number, I have number 78 and they were little aliens that he would burn as a figure into, into the box. And so, What's interesting was that right before I was getting ready to send him the box, he said he made a post and he said that um, the aliens, the ETs had contacted him and said that they were coming to get him in a week. And um, that's what they said. They said they'll be coming to get him in a week. Oh, and when I read that post, I messaged him and he confirmed that's what he said. You know, he was like, yeah, that's that's what they said. And I said, well, I better hold off on sending him this box because I don't know what that means. Yeah. And the next week he had a heart attack and died. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, you know, that post was scrubbed from his Facebook after um, you know, and I don't think his wife wanted to, you know, really kind of advertise that as much, but, um, Hey, you know, I mean, the man prophesied his, his own death in a sense. I mean, he said he was going to be leaving in a week and in a week he had a heart attack and died. And it made me think about that movie K-Pax. Yeah. You know, because Kevin Spacey claims to be the alien and he's he's able to you know diagram certain constellations that we haven't even been able to even map out so you know everyone's kind of trying to decide whether he's an alien or not and all this stuff you know what i mean it's very interesting but you know they put him in a in a jail cell pretty much to kind of keep him you know you know held captive 
And in a week, or I mean, in a week, in you know, at you know, he said that he's going to be coming. They're going to be coming to get him. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting was, is that when they go to his cell, they find his body on the floor underneath the bed. Yeah. So the body was still there, but the soul of K-Pat, of of the alien, I forgot his name, but you know, mm-hmm. he, he he was gone, and. Um, and I kind of feel like that's the situation with, you know, with Frank, I think, because I have made some contact with, I, I well, I, and I have, I have had spirit loved ones of people from the, uh, you, know, uh, you know, people's deceased loved ones on the other side of we've asked questions many times, are aliens real, are ETs real, you know, have you seen them, this, that, and the other, and they've all said yes, uh, they said spirits are on spaceships. Um, they said that they watch me do sessions a lot of times. Um, so, you know, I think it's all intertwined. I think there's something to it that is very interesting. So anyway, that's my Frank Sumption story. So, okay. So I got to push this a little further here, Josh, uh, are, are aliens, cause we've always heard the, the theory that, well, are aliens are in real bodies or corporeal form? Are they, you know, do they travel physically here to this planet or do they travel through wormholes or through portals or how do they get here are they are they an actual physical form or are they uh, are they more of a spirit form well i would say my guess is and again it's just an educated guess based on my experience so i'm not giving you anything that i know to be factual but my guess is that they're interdimensional beings um, they can travel interdimensionally They've they've mastered that. I think they are physical, but they can dematerialize or, you know, I mean, Star Trek, you know, beam me up, Scotty kind of situation, you know, um, because there's no way for them to just travel by light or at the speed of light. It would take too long, even in some of these places that so wormholes have to be portals have to be, you know, they have to be real. Um, I've heard the spirits talk about portals all the time. So I've heard them talk about stargates. Um, so, I mean, I've heard the term stargate. I heard a soul that died, a guy died early, a young guy, and he wanted to come back here. And he said, I'm looking for a stargate to come back here. Um, so there's, there's, you know, I, I believe that. And um, yeah, I, I, I believe that they're able to, you know, manipulate uh, our atmosphere or matter, um, you know, some of these ships like the, you know, Bob Lazar talking about that the ships are um, creating their own, um, what is it called? It's its own, you know, gravitational field around it mm-hmm. um, because you don't see these, these jet streams or propulsion streams. So, you know, there's almost like they're not abiding by our laws of physics they're kind of creating their own or they're abiding by their, you know, what they have created um, so that they, you know, can travel at speeds faster than any, any ship that we have or anything like that, or that they are able to cloak themselves or disappear and appear out of nowhere. Um, You know, that's, that's not traditional travel. So, you know, I think that, and I've even, you know, I've done spirit photography. I've captured many faces um, that are, you know, people that I was able to validate that they are these people. So, you know, doing scrying and different types of ITC, you know, photography. 
And I, I captured an image of, of, a, of what I believe to be an alien being, um, you know, two big eyes and a, in a oblonged head. And, yeah. um, you know, so they've talked about it. Spirits have said, yes, you know, they watch you that, you know, they've even said the word Anunnaki before Anu and Anunnaki. So that's very interesting stuff. Very interesting. It, uh, that kind of lends credence to something Timothy Hogan said here on the program about there being stargates within the Egyptian tombs. Some of the Egyptian tombs that we're not, we're not able to get main access to. I mean, like you and I can't walk into some of the Egyptian tombs that he can walk into, but in some of the top levels of some of these Egyptian tombs, there are, there's uh, an inscription in Egyptian that says Stargate. Yeah, there's no question that the ancient civilizations had contact with, um, I believe, um, ETs and and um, higher forms of you know different civilizations that you know different uh, beings because you know there there were no phones there were no I mean as far as there was no social media there was I think it was easier for them to be ar- around us amongst us to visit to impart um, uh, knowledge onto us um, as as people because it was safer and it wasn't going to be the way it is now. You know, it's almost like, you know, with more technology, we become more like that movie Idiocracy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what it is. And you have, I think people are getting, I mean, some, there is a faction of people that are waking up, um, you know, evolving on a, on a spiritual level, I do believe that. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think we are getting dumber as the devices are doing more for us. Our brains are doing less. And so, you know, I feel like there was, you know, some real understanding. I mean, you've got these hieroglyphics, you've got these these depictions in, in their art of ships and beings coming and visiting and that was their memes. Those were their social media. You know, that was their way of sharing it. But, you know, it was done in a different way. And I think it was, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that stuff is is very real. Um, I, I also don't think that it's uh, negative. I don't think it's I, don't, I mean, maybe there is a negative uh, race out there, the reptilians and all that stuff. I don't know, you know, but um, from what I've gathered and what i felt especially from what's come through the equipment it sounds like you know they're observing they're they're trying to help they don't want to see destruction mm-hmm. on our earth i mean we're 90 seconds away on the doomsday clock from midnight now i mean yeah. that was just updated again um from last year so i mean that's probably the closest we've been in i think since it was created in 1948 so yeah you know we're not we're not doing so well as a human race right now i don't feel like i think we're we're kind of you know we're having some issues here and i'm that may be why we're seeing some more of these visitations or you know and some people say you know there's two factions to this you know some say no there's no aliens but there are uaps and there are ships and there are these but that's ours and it's our government lying to us and then there's people that say no there are beings and yes, our government may have ships and all that stuff, but there are beings and they are visiting and they are trying to 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 help us. And it's not a, a false flag situation where they're trying to 
you know, so anyway, yeah, I, I know this isn't a, you know, that's nope. not the show that we're talking about, but this is where it went, I guess. But it's, it's interesting that that, that information will come through as well in, in, in this ITC. And it's interesting how all this is tied together. You know, you said something there that's, that's very interesting. Um, and it's an interesting uh, conundrum. And that is that the more we use technologically, the kind of the, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, kind of the dumber we get, because it, it seems to me that we are a prove it society. When it comes to technology, if you can't prove it to me scientifically, I don't know that I believe it yet. Right. Yet when it comes to the afterlife, it seems, especially lately in the, the paranormal in the last 15, 20 years, if it's not on television and it isn't proven in a scientific method, you can't prove to me that it doesn't exist in the afterlife. You know, if you can't put it on television and you can't use a device to prove it, well, then I don't know that you have any evidence. Does that seem like an oxymoron to you? And we'll, we'll take a break here in just a bit after we answer this question. And we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the ITC. Um, does it seem like an oxymoron to you, Josh, that, that the only way I can prove that a spirit exists is if I can funnel it through some piece of equipment? I mean, I don't, I, I'll, I'll try to get answers this as quickly as I can, but, sure. you know, it, it, it seems like, you know, People are more inclined to believe the medium a little bit more than what I'm showing through my ITC. And I think it's because of the AI and the ability to fake stuff. And unfortunately, there are a lot of fakes out there. And I, you know, I'm not going to name them on your show, but sure. yeah. I could name them. I have names of people that I've outed as fakes. And it brings a terrible name, you know, to what we do. Um, there's debunkers out there, which I respect the debunkers, but they've kind of made it a personal attack situation on a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and then anyone else that's trying to show paranormal stuff um, really is focusing around evil and darkness because that's what sells. Yeah. That's what gets the clicks and the views. So I think that, you know, a, someone like my kind of work, gets lost in the fray um, when I'm out there saying, hey, listen, I'm willing to prove it. I'm willing to show you. I'm willing to, you know, be put in certain controls and 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 and, and go through all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one amongst many of, of a channel that's sharing. And I mean, there's people, there's channels with the name, with the words ITC in their name, and they're complete frauds. I mean, just absolutely complete frauds. And they have boxes that look like mine right there. And, mm -hmm. you know, and they're just they're just fake. So it's a it's a shame. But, you know, I don't blame people for their skepticism. But, you know, everyone gets real nasty online. They can get real, you know, yeah. they get real bold and, and brazen with how they act. And I think that's, you know, it's tough. It makes it hard for someone that's real mm -hmm. yeah. to do this. Let me ask you this last question, then we'll go to break. How do you feel about, and I take it you've seen these challenges that are that are out there. There's the James Randi Foundation challenge. There's a new one that's out there now. There's a paranormal group out there that's put a half million dollar challenge out there that's a little less stringent than the James Randi Foundation uh, challenge. When you see these challenges out there that that say, well, just prove to us that there's a paranormal ability out there that you're able to prove paranormal uh, exists. I think that's what the new half million dollar challenge is. 
do you think that there when you see that do you see a uh, loaded trap you're you're out there to disprove yeah. it or it's a, or, or yeah, are you, for me are you tempted to I don't mean to cut you off sure, I just no. want to say that yeah, it's it, it's I think it's a loaded trap I okay. think I think if they were really serious um, about finding the truth they wouldn't be so cynical they would be more open to it you know I mean the Bix Institute at least they were they offered, you know, Robert Bigelow offered a prize for anyone that yes. could, you know, submit um, a very uh, compelling um, essay on the afterlife, the existence of the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And I messaged them and I said, you know, you can keep your prize money. I would work with you for free. And they took me up on that offer and they conducted two very controlled blind experiments with me with great results. Now, the winner of that of that essay contest was Jeffrey Mishlove. And, and I, you know, I have an interview that will appear on his show at the end of this month. And uh, I think he's a brilliant man and all that. And, and so I think he did well. But, you know, when the James Randies and there was another guy, some magician or some kind of illusionist that tried to challenge me. And I said, it's a loaded trap, man. You know, you, you're you're never going to pony up the money. Number one, you're never going to admit that you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're not. You've been you've been banging your hammer for so long that who you're going to let some random guy come through and prove you wrong, you're not going to be open to it. It's just you trying to get attention by saying, I've got prize money that I'm willing to offer. So it's always like, if you're objective and willing to work with me, then I will work with you. And if you're respectful, then I'll have no problem working with you and showing you what I do. I mean, I I mean, one of the most compelling cases I ever did, and I've done so many is the one with Gabby Petito, who was, of course, the young girl that was missing and that her her boyfriend, Brian Laundrie, you know, murdered her. And I reached out to her before her body was even found. I was able to channel exactly what was in Brian's notebook, his diary that wasn't found for months and months later. I mean, word for word, almost what I what was written in that journal that was found six months later, I was able to get intuitively. Then when reaching out to her through my equipment, she was able to say um, that, you know, uh, Brian did it, that he hit her in the head with, with, you know, that, you know, that, you know, she was hit in the head with a blunt object, um, that he was dead, that he shot himself. All of those things were facts about her death that came out in sessions that were posted to the channel well before autopsy reports came out or authorities released any details. There was no way for me to have any of that information. And that's one of the best best documented cases um, that I have. So, you know, right there is legitimate proof that those guys just don't want to look at. You know, there's a lot of these amazing light anomalies that show up in my sessions. And this is not dust, bugs, or water vapor. These are light anomalies that will drop down, stay still, then move in a certain intelligent direction. They'll enter my head. They'll enter my body. They'll shoot straight up out of my head like a a beam of light. I mean, there are so many. I, I have had, you know, amazing light anomalies that move through inanimate objects and they'll reform to get, you know, so it's, you know, but these skeptics, they don't want to acknowledge these things. They want to try to say, Oh, it's sound pareidolia or it's, it's, you know, it's just gotta be dust. And they're not being honest with themselves. They're not willing to be because it's cognitive dissonance. 
Cognitive dissonance is two opposing ideas that cannot exist in the head at the same time. And so if someone's belief system is so strong, they're just not going to open themselves up to any new information. And uh, so, you know, I just I, I laugh at those challenges, but I also would work with legitimate skeptics or legitimate people that are really trying to find the truth. So, yeah. What we're going to do, we got a link in the description of this program to your YouTube page. So people can go see those those videos for themselves. I encourage people to uh, look at the lecture. There's a lecture that you take place in that I I took and I I watched the entire lecture. I was impressed by the lecture, uh, how informative it is, uh, especially the science behind the lecture. And the the fact that you are well educated in the field and the fact that you do combine science with the supernatural and the fact that you you again keep yourself well grounded well versed in in both you keep one foot in the here and now one foot in the supernatural and it's it's really hard to uh i think for for these skeptics to come at you and, and say, well, I think I can debunk you. Um, I think it's harder for them. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you what, let's take our break here, Josh. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about the ITC that, that you have out there. Let's talk about the app you have out there. I downloaded the app earlier today and got a chance to play with it a little bit. And uh, and we'll, we'll talk about um, HOPE, Helpers of Paranormal Entities. And we'll, we'll talk about Dr. Katz and your relationship with Dr. Katz. And we'll talk about uh, talking to Ingo Swan, which oh, was very yeah. interesting. I, yeah. I got a chance to watch your interaction with Ingo Swan earlier today. So we'll do all that when we come back. Our guest uh, is Joshua Lewis, and uh, he is the uh, founder of Hope. And, man, we got a lot on the other side of this program. We'll talk a bit about his ITC and uh and his app, which is available right now. We have links to all of this in the description of the program. When we come back, we will talk about uh, the uh, the Hope Spirit Box Pro, or HSB-1. It's inter- interesting technology, folks. When we come back, we'll talk about it right after this on The Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Joshua Lewis. He is the founder of Hope, Helpers of Paranormal Entities, and also has a free app out there, the Hope Spirit Box, or HSB1, which is available both in the iOS format and in the Android format. It's a free app, which you can go out there and get. You can put it on your phone and do some of this uh, ITC work for yourself in your own home. Uh, ITC, by the way, Instrumental Transcommunication. We also have a link to uh, Joshua's YouTube page. And one of the things when you download the app, Joshua, it does link you up to the YouTube page uh, so you can go. It's, it's, what's interesting about the app is, first of all, what I love about it, you have instructions right away on how to use the app. So right. it walks you through the app. Second thing is you've got a link to the YouTube page 
So you get an idea of the background of, you know, what you're using there and what you're doing. So you're, you're never walking around blind with this thing. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing when somebody downloads, and this is no knock against the Ovilus or no knock against any other form of ITC, but a lot of times when you get a piece of equipment like that, you're kind of walking around blind, right? When you get a spirit box or something like that, you just yeah. fire it up and you start asking questions into the ether. You don't know who you're talking to, what you're talking to, or what you're doing. Um, but what's nice is is you're kind of walking people forward and you're getting an idea from Jump Street you really are getting an idea of what you're doing and and you're getting the history right away. I mean, you gave us some of that history at the beginning of the program. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're getting a full idea of what it is you're jumping into. But one of the things that really impressed me is that at that point, you introduce us to Dr. Deborah and who's your mentor. And then one of the things that was brought up, and this is one of the things that I wanted to also ask you, it is that you, you state that with the HSB-1 is that you have to tap into a little bit of your intuitive self. Now, I always thought until recently that, you know what, I thought I was as dead as a doornail when it came to psychic or intuitive ability. But then I was, I've been told by different people, different psychics, different, different people who are intuitive themselves, everybody has a little bit of intuitive ability in them. Are you of a mind that that's the case, Joshua? Yes. Um, I think that we are intuitive beings. I think it's a part of everyone. I think it's, it's the, I think we all have it. Um, I think that that's meant just as it is for us to brush our teeth and and to eat food and breathe air. I think that we're supposed to be intuitive. Everyone says they get a gut feeling. If they say they get a gut feeling about something that's intuitive, whether they, you know, want to admit it or not. Now, some people's intuitive abilities are more developed or naturally more developed. You can develop it. If you don't have it that strongly, you can work at it and, and kind of flex it, uh, exercise it like a muscle. Um, but you know, Deborah, who started out as a federal probation officer, she had a stressful job and she wanted to learn to try to calm down a little bit, um, de-stress. And she went to an entry level meditation class and in the same building, they offered entry level intuitive training. And she ended up discovering that she was very intuitive. And so, you know, one of her sites that she has is the letter U, the letter R, and then the word psychic, URpsychic.com. And she has the International School of Clairvoyance. Um, her and I will be, you know, we've we've hosted some events. We did a master class together, and we're doing another one in uh we're doing a, a physical event in St. Augustine, uh, April 26th. 27th 28th it's called the ultimate paranormal experience so we'll be doing that together and taking people through intuitive development and paranormal investigation and so yes she believes that i believe that and um anyone can turn on a box and get a response but when you tune into your own intuitive ability and try to connect to something on the other side the results are going to be better um, and, and, and you will get a, a better, a better interaction. So, um, I think what's interesting about my free app 
and you know, unfortunately, it needs to be updated. Technology is moving so quickly, mm-hmm. where these platforms like Android and iOS, iOS it's still okay, but Android it's saying now that it's only working on um, uh, what is it? It's uh, what are they saying? It's uh, so newer devices it's not compatible with right now so it's got to be an older android device i don't know what that what what age i think it's just i don't know but it needs an update and unfortunately because it's a free app Mm -hmm. i have to work with the developer when he's willing and able to to keep getting it updated so there is an update that will come okay but it's you know unless you have an older device or an ios um, it, you may not be able to to get it um, or ha- you know to work it. Fortunately, if you're really serious about it and you're interested, excuse me, there is a pro version and it's only meant for laptops and computers. Okay, so that's called the HSB Pro, and the HSB One is the free device for iOS and Android on the phone, and the HSB Pro is a way more advanced version of it. And that's only meant for computers and laptops. And people can go to HSB, HSB hopeparanormal.com. And that's where you can, it's $5 a month to use it. You can cancel anytime. And, you know, because there's maintenance and there's things that go along with it, you don't, you can't download and keep the program. It's an online based program. Um, but, you know, what's really cool about my app, whether it's the HSB one or the pro, this is what I want to say. And again, there are some other apps out there that I think are effective and Mm -hmm. that are cool, Mm -hmm. but I can't endorse anyone else's other apps. And it's not because I'm selling mine or something, but it's because I don't know what's in it. I don't know what's in the app. I don't know the science behind it. They can tell me all they want. Mm-hmm. but I don't know if I believe them anymore. And that's the problem. And I'm not trying to poo poo anyone else's work and I'm not trying to, you know, down, you know, you know, or, you know, denigrate it or whatever. It's just that, you know, like there's a new guy, you know, there's a guy that's coming out with a, a, a new app coming out. It's like called transcendence or something. I don't know. And there's this guy that has these apps, the spiritus and necrometer and necrophonic and all these, and they tell you what it is. and what goes behind it but there's no way to fully understand what the sound sources are you have to just take the developer's word for it with my app you can cross-examine the sound source so you know in these apps or in my app in my in my hsb1 and the pro there is um there's sound banks okay okay they're sound banks of human voice. The human voice consists of human speech that was taken from different TED talks, different interviews, different things, right? But what's great about it is this it's been reversed, it's been slowed down by almost 50%, and then it's been chopped up into two second increments and then randomized. So you've got human speech, but it's reversed, slowed, and chopped up. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can open the app up. 
you can choose one of the banks. There's men banks, women banks, young, old, you know, all the, the full gamut, right? And mm -hmm. different ones. And you could just choose one of those banks and you could turn off the reverb, turn off the echo sound, right? And you could click the button. It just it will turn off all effects. And then you can slide the gate open and let the sound bank play. And you can listen to it for yourself and listen to the sound source to confirm for yourself that there are no words in the app or in the bank. Okay. Now, that's how you know what you're using will not give you a false positive. Any of these other apps that just spit out sounds and sometimes words will come out and they're very random or they'll sometimes they pertain, they'll say death, evil, demon, or a name or whatever. Where is the sound source? Where is that coming from? You know, some will say, oh, it's just it's just sounds. There's no words in it. There's no this. There's no that. How do we know that? How can someone cross examine that? So I think mine is the only app that you can do that with, which would make it a very valuable tool, because then you know that, hey, you're not going to get false positives. And, and the app maker is not pulling the wool over your eyes to get you, you know, to, you know, for entertainment purposes. So, you know, I just want to state that. So if you can't do that with, with a piece of equipment, then you really don't know what you're getting is real. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's the situation, but that's the science behind the hope voice signature method, which is a method that I use. Um, I do ask for mostly the majority of the people I ask for are people's loved ones that are unknown. You know, they're just regular people and we get validation evidence, you know, evidential pieces of, of, you know, validation are coming through in every session. But I also ask for well-known people. And I ask for well-known people. I ask for normally one or two a month that I may, you know, someone that I thought was interesting or I wanted to ask for, maybe someone requested it and I might ask for, and, and I can't say for sure that I know a hundred percent that it's that person. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't claim that. I just do my mediumship work where I connect with whoever it is. I, I, I focus, I connect I feel like I make a connection. And then once I feel like I made a connection, I then will ask for them to come through the box. And 90 something percent of the time, the responses that come through are factual or indicative of what that person would say. Um, I like to use that person's voice. And I used, and I, like I said, I'll take the person's voice, I'll reverse it, I'll slow it down by half, chop it up into little random bits and I will feed them their own voice. If they don't use it, we will get nothing but gibberish. Okay. If they do use it, we will get a discernible word or phrase that will pertain to what I'm asking or what I'm speaking about. And that is really cool. So you brought up the Ingo Swan thing. Yeah. Deborah. Before, was, before we get to Ingo Swan, can I ask you oh, a question here? Yeah, it, sure, sure. I, I mean no disrespect by this. So was, please don't take it that way. Yeah, there there are certain camps in the paranormal that find it a little ghoulish to go after someone who, especially someone of of fame who might have passed away due to 
tragic circumstances and try to get them to, especially right after they've passed, to try to get them in an ITC session and get them to comment. Um, I won't mention names on this program, but they, they, they try to do it ex- right immediately after they've passed. I know who you're talking about, and and I worked with him, and I and I thought, you know, I, I thought highly of him at, at at one point until he did some really horrible things to me that you know I've been very public about, and so you know it's really no shock as to what that man did, and I'm not going to say it by name, sure. but you know it, he he really I've never seen someone do so much good for a field at one point and then do so much bad for a field. I I just, I don't know how else to describe that. So I really kind of have to, you know, try to remove myself from what, what that guy does, but I will say this. Okay. Um, I'm sorry that people feel the way that they feel regarding um, they think it's for views and for clicks. Mm -hmm. And there is some truth to that. First of all, what I do, I do with love and respect. So I literally am asking for someone. I believe the contact right after is stronger. That's just for me. I mean, that's what my interpretation of it. That's what the evidence has shown that if I ask for someone um, within a couple of days of their passing, I get a better interaction with them than if I wait years and years. Okay. I still will get interaction from them if I ask a year or two years later. But if I ask a few days after, um, I do get, um, you know, and so I've seen this other guy post videos of people that died that day yeah. that they died. And that's really shitty. And I get that. Excuse my language. But, no, you know, that's, you know, that's that, that, you know, you could wait at least a couple days, at least a few days for crying out loud. But also, this is the thing. Um, if they don't want to talk mm-hmm. now, see, they just they say, well, that guy's fake. And so when he's doing it, he's fake, he's fake, and he's just doing this for, you know, for views and clicks. Um, anything, everything I've always done is real, and I can always prove that. I don't know, I mean, whether that's accepted by certain skeptics or not, but I'm always willing to, you know, talk to these skeptics. I'm always willing, if you're respectful. Um, what I do is respectful. I give them an, a, a platform, an opportunity, uh, uh, the soul that just you know passed. I give them a chance to speak. And if they want to speak, they can. And if they don't, then they don't. It's not like I'm putting a gun to their head and saying, you have to do this interview for my channel. Um, if they don't want to talk, they don't. And, and that has happened in rare occasions where someone says they don't want to speak. Okay. But for the most part, they have something that they want to say. They do want to talk. They want to get a message out. Um, why not wait months and months and then post the session, right? I'm going to tell you exactly why. Okay. I want more people to see this work. I want more people to see what it is I'm doing. If I do the session and it's a good session and it's respectful and done properly, why am I going to wait for it to be months and months after because of society's expectations of what their idea is of what death is? They think it's this ambulance chasing or whatever it is that they think they want to call it. Um, I highly disagree with that. I understand what it looks like. But the majority of people do not see death and do not understand what it is that I'm even doing a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. So they don't get it. You know, there's there's the you know the news will post it, all this stuff. They'll do exposés on these people. They'll post all these videos about, you know, their work that when they were alive, that is that is getting them ratings. 
Okay. Yeah. And they're posting stuff about, about these people right after, like if, if, if it's a hot topic, they're in the news, they're going to post Matthew Perry just passed. Uh, this one just passed or this one, you know, the queen just passed or whoever it was, but you know, I'm doing it in a respectful manner. I care. And so, you know, I want more people to see it. I, I, I want to be respectful, but if the person came through and gave solid messages that they want to be heard, why am I going to wait months and months after when a lot less people will see it? Just to appease the, the, the certain amount of people in the paranormal community that want to cry foul, you know, they, they don't even think what I'm doing is even legitimate in the first place. So why am I going to appease those people? I, I don't have any desire to appease that community. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's a shame, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. I've asked for people that have passed, you know, within a few days. And then I posted that, that video normally about, you know, three, four, maybe a week after their passing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also asked for people that have died many years ago. I asked for Marilyn Monroe 66 years after she passed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that want to see those sessions, but yeah, yeah, of course, there's always going to be that those people, Oh, those, those are, you know, that's so foul what they're doing and all this stuff. And, you know, they're just, you know, you know, one day that won't be the consensus, but you know, this work is ahead of its time, but you've got guys like what, who we're just talking about that can bring a bad name, unfortunately, and the way that they act and the way that they are, it can really bring a bad name to this community. There's a guy out there, like I said, he's got 374,000 subscribers and he's got ITC in his name. He doesn't show his face, but he just shows his box. Mm-hmm. And he's got all these celebrity faces all over his channel. And, you know, he's a fraud. I mean, I outed him as a fraud. And I mean, and, and, and I've been very open about that. Again, I won't say his name because I'm not trying to get into all of that right now. I'm not trying to do a Cat Williams yeah, um, no. interview right here. But, <laughs> right, right. At, at, you know, I mean, at times I very well could understand what Cat was talking about because one day, some days I just want to go off on so many of these of these fakesters and fraudsters and these people that are out there that are, you know, are full of crap. You know what I mean? And they, right. and they really make what I do a lot harder. So, yep. you know, understandable. Yeah. I, I just, uh, and, and forgive me, Josh, I just, I, I had to broach that subject while we were on it. Oh no, I'm all right if, with it. Yeah. If I didn't, of course, I'm not doing my audience a service, but they're like, I'm I okay said, with we, it, brother. We had to, we had to, we had to get there while we did. Ingo Swan. I want to bring up uh, what, sure. what I had seen with you and Dr. Deborah and Ingo Swan, because it was very interesting to me. Um, Mainly because when when I when I see you communicate, first of all, it, it was the video I'm watching. I think you were kind of amazed at at the point where Dr. Deborah brings in Ingo Swan. I think it was kind of amazing to you the first time you, you run into Ingo Swan. Um, second, to me, I the first question if if I'm if I'm not knowing Ingo Swan's coming in. And of course, for for those who are unfamiliar, and I wouldn't know if anybody in my audience would be unfamiliar. Of course, Ingo Swan, the, for lack of a better term, the father of of remote viewing, um, comes in. My first question to him is, you know, do you have to be psychic to be a remote viewer? The ultimate catch twenty two. Um, 
with with the government saying they didn't believe anybody had to be psychic to be a remote viewer, have you ever asked that question of Ingo Swan? Do you have to be psychic to be a remote viewer? I don't remember if we asked that question, but I know that the way that that experiment was done was that, you know, Deborah, again, she's the president of the International Remote Viewing Association. And Ingo was the creator of CRV, which is controlled remote viewing. And, you know, he did some great work. Um, He, too, was an artist. He was eccentric. He had he had you know, he had some you know, he was a very interesting guy. Um, What was cool about that experiment was, again, it's another amazing um, experiment that proves the legitimacy, not only of my ability, but of the ITC work that I'm doing, because the way that she conducted that experiment with me was that she assigned target numbers um, to these people. And so I did not know who we would be reaching out to. I did not know. I just knew that they were deceased remote viewers. That's all I knew or deceased researchers actually, because some of them weren't even, you know, and, and so, you know, she would say, okay, we're going to reach out. We're going to ask for remote viewer, deceased remote viewer, um, one, three, seven, five, two, or whatever it was, the numbers that she had. Yep. And I would focus on that number and I'd say, okay, I'm seeing this older man. And, and, I, and then she'd give me another number. I'd see, oh, I see a woman. And then she'd give me another number. And I'd see, I see a foreign man who was younger with dark hair. And all of those depictions were accurate to the numbers that were assigned to the, you know, but I didn't get any names. So now I have to only calling them by their target number, ask for them to come through. And she, Deborah would ask questions and Ingo was one of them. And, you know, she said, what's one of the, what's one of the, you know, best things that we can know about how to improve this work that we're doing? And he said, imagination. And that's a very interesting response because you do have to use visualization and imagination to prime the pump for intuitive work. Now, some would say, well, that's what I'm just creating in my head. How do we know it's actually intuitive, like it's actual factual information? And but that's that's the conundrum is that, you know, that you have to kind of, you know, bring the paints and the canvas to to get the painting done. Mm -hmm. And intuitively, the painting will get painted, but you have to bring some of that. You have to use your imagination. Um, He came through with some really wonderful responses. He did very well. Um, You know, Russell Targ, who is someone that people know of, um, his daughter was one of the researchers we asked for, and she came through very strong and gave us some really great responses. Um, One woman, um, who was, uh, I forgot her name. She was like one of Deborah's first, uh, remote viewing teachers. And we asked for her and and she said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm the same on this side. I'm the same person, you know, she said, you know, and that was really interesting. She says, it's like, she said something about, you know, middle age being middle, like, like middle age is here. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because, it could be taken one of two ways. It could be taken that, you know, everyone on the other side is of middle age when you get there. Like you kind of just are in a middle age, like your best age. You know what I mean? Right. Um, or I kind of took it as that the first 90 years or so here on Earth is just the first third of your life. 
yeah. in the sense that middle age is over there and then there's a neither higher level to go even once you get to the other side there's still like a life that you're supposed to live over there for a while and then at some point you graduate that stage and i've heard that there's a death on the other side that there's a death of like the astral body so there's they say there's three bodies they say that there's the physical body which we have now and inside of that inside of this physical body there's something known as the astral body which is made of gossamer light and it looks like our body right now with arms and legs and then there's something called the causal body and the causal body is what looks like an orb and is the soul itself and they say that you know it's the spark of the divine it's the spark of light that comes from god and it is our true essence. It's our true soul. Like it's our true being. And that we have to live a life as Tim and Josh. Okay. And then we're going to go to the other side and we're not going to have the physical body, but we're going to have the astral body that's going to look like Tim and Josh, maybe in more of a middle age setting. Okay. Um, but, it, you know, and we have a lot more of our, we still have our personalities, our memories, and then at some point, that astral body will have to die on the other side. Not maybe as 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 crude as it is with us dying here, with like you know, you know, taking the you know the death rattle and and really having a heart, you know, a physical death that way. But it's more of a, a of an ascension. And that death on the other side could be one of two things. It could be the causal body leaving the astral body. The, the orb itself leaving and going up to a higher realm of heaven or consciousness. Or if we have to, we may have to repeat life again down here, which is reincarnation. And so the, the astral body will die as Tim and Josh. And then the causal soul will come out of that body and go through a stargate into another um, a, a fetus in a woman's stomach and be born as a new character in the game. Um, and that's, that's what I, you know, that's what I believe. So do you suppose Josh, that causal body is the one that when people have near death experiences or, or when it's say it's my time to go, that causal body is the one that I'm seeing when I see, my grandparents, my stepdad, my mother, father, whoever it is that went before me, they're the ones who are greeting me, those causal bodies? Those are the, I think those are the astral bodies. I think it takes about 500 years or, or less, actually less, but I mean, the guru that I follow says something about, about almost 500 years on the other side in earth years, but you know, it could take a hundred to a few hundred years really of living as an astral body on the other side before you um, reincarnate, if that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. If you learn your lessons here and you wipe away your karma here in mm -hmm. this life, mm -hmm. then you don't really necessarily need to come back here again, unless you choose to, to help out. And that's a very selfless task, I think. Okay. Um, but I think that they, they can, um, you know, I think a lot of our loved ones on the other side will hang out with us mm -hmm. until a lot of their immediate family get to the other side. Then 
There's some time on the other side to live amongst each other again, mm-hmm. spread love and share each other's love and experiences. And then at some point, we're going to lose grandpa again on the other side because he's been over there for, you know, some years longer than we have. And he's getting ready to either ascend to a higher level or to come back into a body on earth to live out another existence as a a new character. Um, And, and so, you know, I think there are some cases of reincarnation, like the, you know, there's world war two, victims that have come back. I mean, that's only been 80 years. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, it's not a, that's not a long time to be on the other side. Um, there's, I think there's been people that have been nine 11 victims that, um, there's little kids that remember falling from a building and, and they can remember certain facts of their life. I think in those cases, um, there were some cases that were granted an early reincarnation, um, because th- they needed to come back here and, and continue on with life in some way. And there's a reason for everything. But, you know, I think most people don't reincarnate that quickly. I think that they um, are on the other side living some kind of, it seems like a physical existence. I mean, I they talk about sleeping. They talk about resting. They talk about working, you know, and I don't think they have to work because they have to pay the light bill and the phone bill. Yeah. But I think they, you know, they're working for other reasons. Um, I've, I've seen, I've heard of living in houses. And then I had a, I had a man show a picture of a house from the other side, which was really remarkable through spirit photography. Um, you know, so there's, there's a level of physicality, I think still, um, on the other side that we just don't think of. I think we think we're all just balls of light, maybe, or there's nothing and we're up in heaven with just light and harps and angel wings. And, um, but I don't think that's exactly how it is. I think there is that too. Sure. But I think that there's, there's still more of a, a, a kind of human nature that we experience because it really would be weird if we come down here and we're so physical and we, eat and sleep and work and wear clothes and do all this stuff only to go to the other side after 80 years or so. And it's like, so nothing. Yeah. It's just such a ball of light and that's it. That's all it is. That would be very, I think there's some adjustment to be made, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's still like, um, you know, they talk about, I mean, I've had guys talk about, they still play golf. They, you know, I asked, I I asked for Amy Winehouse recently and, and, and I asked her, I said, you know, when I felt I had a connection with her, I said, do you still sing on the other side? Do you still do anything with music? And she said, I still write hits. Now, I don't know what that means, but she said, I still write hits. See, I mean, is she writing hits on the other side? Is it on the spirit radio on the other side that, you know, her songs are playing? See, I love Amy Winehouse. I would think that, but, but see, I, from people that you, at least I, from from different mediums I've talked to, they say, well, the you always hear that music is different on the other side, that it, it it's much more rich, that it's it's you can't describe it, you know, that that spirits on the other side say you can't describe how much more rich and divine and it your your human ear wouldn't be able to recognize it, but sure. it, it's it's got I believe that much more texture. Um, 
or that colors are much more vibrant or even people that have come back from the other side that have had near-death experiences say the colors are different the music is different that that you know that everything is so much more brilliant and that yeah. when you come here it's so much i more believe brilliant. that i believe that you know you know i mean i i, I believe that i mean you get a, a wide gamut of people that give responses some people that lived a full life were spiritual had a spiritual connection i mean they get to the other side and they talk about it being beautiful and wonderful and it's all that you you know that you can never imagine how amazing uh, many have talked about seeing a castle or a palace at one point um, when they first arrive so there's something to that. Um, so there's that. Then you get people that are, you know, that die of traumatic reasons, uh, maybe drug addiction or that they, you know, they died very suddenly, maybe a violent situation, um, you know, and so they're still in some kind of trauma. And so someone has said that they've been in a room to relax in for a while before they were able to move to another place. They've talked about being in a hallway I mean, it's like, you know, there's a lot of different, I mean, it's like, you know, you take a painting and you ask 10 people to describe the same painting and you're going to get 10 different descriptions. Yet the painting is still the painting. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think there's different experiences to be had, different ways of interpreting it, different ways to feel it. But I think that there is a, a, a science behind it that makes it that there is um, a law of spirit, that there is something that happens that is kind of uniform to everyone, even though they may all interpret it differently to some degree. Um, but, you know, so, you know, I just think that I, people that died in a traumatic way or with anger and fear and resentment, you know, they still have some stuff to work out and they're not necessarily always experiencing that kind of light yet. Um, they're not in hell. I don't get anyone talking about hell. Okay. Um, I know that you get some religious people that do this work or something and they're like, Oh, of course there's a hell and there's a devil and there's, and I'm not saying there isn't a devil. I don't know. I mean, I think there is probably some angel that causes a problem. Um, a, a, you know, I mean, a troubled former angel maybe or whatever. I mean, they've mentioned the devil to me before, you know, I've heard that crap. Um, but you know, when I've asked people about hell, they said, no, there's no hell. It's kind of of your own, your own making. So if you were, you know, a bad guy, you, you can hide in darkness for a while. But the thing about it is, is that you can't evade eternity. Like you can't escape eternity, meaning that you can't hide in darkness forever. You're going to have to come out into the light at some point, And then at some point you're going to have to, you know, come to terms with what you did okay. and you're going to feel the pain that you caused. I don't know that it's a guy with a pitchfork stabbing you in the butt, you know, in a fiery hole. Um, but, you know, I think you're going to feel the pain that you caused. I mean, Jesus says in the Bible, you know, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And he's not saying that, you know, if you killed someone in this life with a sword, you're going to die in this life by a sword. Yeah. But he's saying that if you do that kind of negativity, that negativity will come back on you, whether you get out of this life unscathed or not, you will still have to deal with that, that, that reckoning. And it's not even that God that's judging you. It's you that's doing it. Like you are the creator of your own destiny in some ways. 
that, you know, whatever you do, you're going to reap the benefit or the consequences from. So, you know, it's kind of like you are your own judge and jury. And I don't think people realize that. Yeah. I mean, well, that would make sense. I mean, the soul has to be cleansed before it can move on. So it, you either you do it or some some process has to do it before you can before you can ascend. I mean, that makes right. complete sense. Yeah. Let's uh, before we before we wrap today, I got to I, I got to find out what exactly hope does uh, your your organization. Uh what, uh, what, uh, how was hope put together and what, what was it put together for? Well, I mean, we started really just, like I said, it was a few people, um, and we would just, you know, go to locations, do those investigations, do some residential investigations, a lot of, um, and then we would pray and focus on light for any soul that wanted help. We pray for people that were alive, that were dealing with whatever trouble they were dealing with. And we believe that that prayer would make a difference. You know, the acronym was uh, Helpers of, of Paranormal Entities, and that's what it started as. Now it's mostly just me kind of doing what I do, doing mediumship readings, um, working, doing the box sessions for people, doing the talks um, and events. I do the live events. I, I do, you know, I post on the channel. Um, I do these interviews whenever I can, and I try to share more about, about everything. Um, and, you know, I do group sessions for people every month. Um, so there's that. But I feel like hope now has kind of evolved more into helping other people evolve. That's really what the acronym stands for more now. So is helping other people evolve. I think that's really what it is. And I, I really um, I love helping people when I can, but not in some self-gratifying way. I mean, I, I want to do it where. I want to be of real service. Um, I feel I owe a debt of gratitude to my higher power for pulling me from the trenches of what I believed hell was here on earth, mm -hmm. you know, from what I lived. And so, you know, I think that this is my purpose and calling to um, do this work and to share it in some capacity. Um, even if I take the hits that I take sometimes, I think that's, you know, part of the deal. Um, and I just have to kind of work through that, but yeah. So that's where we are now, you know, and I get to work with other amazing individuals sometimes. And, uh, it's, it's been really great being able to do that. So in closing, what does the future hold for, for Joshua Lewis? What, where do you see, uh, even in the next five years or so, where, do, where do you see you taking hope? Where do you see you taking yourself and where do you see you, you know, leaving your mark in the world? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've done a lot of work in, in, on the channel. I've posted a lot of sessions. I've written a book, you know, finding hope in the afterlife. My book is out on Amazon and it's been out a couple of years. It's gotten a lot of good reviews. So that's been good. And I've held, you know, four or five, about five live events now with a sixth one coming in St. Augustine, uh, the end, end of April. And I'd like to write another book. I'd like to do these speaking engagements. Um, I'd like to try to keep developing the, the hope spirit box and keep trying to improve upon it. Um, but you know, I really don't know. I don't know what else I'm meant to do. I just, I keep asking God to guide me and share with me what he, where he wants me to be and what, what he wants me to do. Um, and you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, 
Hey, you know, or if you would have told me, Hey, this is what you'll be doing. I would have said, you're, you know, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so to say, you know, where will I be in five years? I don't know. I do not know what to tell you other than I just keep asking for the good guy, the good, the good Lord up there to keep, you know, putting me where he wants me, I guess that's really all I can say. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good answer as well. You know, yeah. you, you can only go where, uh, where you're, uh, where you're guided to be. I guess yeah. that's, that's a good way Amen. of putting it. Well, Josh, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, the links are in the description of this program for both Hope Par- Paranormal and uh, to uh, to check out the SB1, SB Pro. I encourage you guys to check it out. It's uh, and in the videos as well. The videos that that Joshua has put up are are quite interesting. Uh, not only the the videos of him doing his ITC work, but but the videos of him speaking as well. I encourage you to check out the video of him speaking uh, about the science and the supernatural of what it is he does. It's quite intriguing, so I encourage you to check it out. Joshua, I appreciate you uh, being with us today on Darkness Radio. Thanks, Tim. It was really uh, a lot of fun. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. I want to thank my guest today, Joshua Lewis, for joining us here on the big program. Again, check out... Uh, the links in the description of this program for Hope Paranormal, for the HSB1, the HSB Pro, and to his YouTube videos. Let me know what you think. Tim at darknessradio.com. I'm kind of eager to see what you guys think about uh, not only the science behind it, but the supernatural behind it, and then get your feedback on, on what it is you've seen here. Uh, I, I'm interested in your feedback here to, to see what it is you think about the entire thing. Uh, I'm always interested in what it is you guys think about the programs as well. Uh, let me know, Tim at darknessradio.com. Uh, I like to to get you guys to weigh in. You can weigh in as well by going to our chat room off the Darkness Radio Facebook page. If you go to our Darkness Radio Facebook page, uh, you'll see the little chat room on the right hand side there. Uh, just join us in there, and you can talk with people uh, with like minded interests as well. And we get in there and we kind of chop it up from time to time. We also have a Discord server uh, that you can uh, join as well. Darkness Radio Discord server uh, where we talk about those issues as well. So kind of wanting to uh, get your guys' opinion on the topics on the program and uh, get get you to weigh in on these different guests and, and throw your own theories around and, and see what you think, especially about ITC. I'm I'm curious what you guys think about uh, the different topics when it comes to ITC. Boy, we got a doozy next week with Joshua P. Warren. I'll, I'll just give you this hint. Um, I I taped the show yesterday with Joshua P. Warren. We had to tape a little early because of some some stuff that he has going on, so he wanted to uh, tape right away. So we've got that show coming up for you next week. Boys, it a doozy of a show. You guys are going to, I think, you, you, I can't wait to get the show to you guys. You guys are going to be impressed. He's got some uh, interesting stories, some interesting stuff for you. That's coming up next week. But yeah, interesting stuff on the way for you coming up in the next few weeks here on Darkness Radio. We're upon the weekend, folks, and uh, it's at this point of the program, I remind you to be a light in the darkness for somebody. You know, I saw a news story here today that, more and more people are depending on the food shelves for their sustenance, for their food. It's, uh, it's a little alarming. You know, we're out of the holiday season now. Normally you see that around the holiday season that people are 
going to the food shelves for their food. It seems like there's more of a divide. I'm not going to get on my political soapbox or anything. This isn't a political deal. It's just a need thing that there are people out there that are suffering that need that help. So this weekend, I would just remind you to be a light in the darkness for someone. If, if you are feeling like you have maybe a couple extra bucks in your pocket, maybe pick up a couple of canned goods or a little something to help somebody out and just bring a few canned goods down to the food shelf for someone or a warm winter hat, coat or mittens or blanket for someone and bring it to a place that it can be distributed to someone. Uh, it only takes a, a little ripple in that big pond that we call life to help someone in this life and help someone get by in this life. And we all need to be there for each other in order to get through this life. So if you can do something for someone, it'd be greatly appreciated. Just a little a little uh, wink and a nod from your buddies here at Darkness Radio. I want to thank Mally Fox. I'm grateful to Mally Fox this week for filling in. We appreciate her. Thank you so much, Mally, for filling in and, and doing such a great job here on Darkness Radio this week. Also want to say we're grateful to Miracle Made Sheets. Thank you so much, Miracle Made, for sponsoring the program this week. And again, I encourage you guys to check out Miracle Made Sheets. I've got three sets of Miracle Made Sheets. I, I'm not just whistling Dixie when I tell you I've got these sheets. I love these sheets. I've had these sheets for a few years uh, before they even came on the program. And... I absolutely love them. They are so soft. They're so comfortable. But better yet, they're antibacterial sheets. They're inspired by NASA. And I got to tell you about these sheets just real quickly, folks, because I want you to check them out for yourself. This is what's so great about Miracle Made Sheets. First of all, these Miracle Made Sheets are self-cooling. Now, I don't know if you sleep hot. I mean, I, I tend to sleep kind of hot, so I need something a little cooler. These things are self-cooling. So they're, they're thermoregulating. They're designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, which is great. I love that. They're self-cleaning. These sheets are infused with silver. They prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So this means that you're not washing them all the time. In fact, you wash them only a third of the time that you normally would other sheets, which is great. I love them for that as well. And they're so comfortable. Man, these, these Miracle Sheets are luxurious. They're not quite, you know, satin or silk sheets, but they're just a step below that. They're like the best thread count you've ever had in your life. They are so, so soft. I absolutely love these Miracle Made Sheets. So here's the deal, folks. You want to get in on these Miracle Made Sheets. And again, we want to thank Miracle Made for, for sponsoring the program this week. Here's what you do. Go to trymiracle.com slash darkness. Use the code darkness. Claim your free three-piece towel set. You get that on top of it. And you save over 40% off on the entire set, on the entire set of sheets. You get, I believe it's, uh, you get uh, two pillowcases. You get the fitted sheet. You get the, bed, you get the bed sheet. It's just, it's an amazing deal, folks. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash darkness. Go ahead and treat yourself. I'm telling you, these miracle sheets are amazing. Try it. I guarantee you, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to love these sheets. Once again, it's 40% off if you use that code darkness at trymiracle.com slash darkness. Free three-piece towel set. You save over 40% off when you do so. You're going to love it. I love them. I, I can't do without them. I can't do without my miracle sheets now. Give it a try. 
give it a try and, and support our sponsors, support the show. That's all I ask. That's the other homework assignment besides doing something good for someone out there in your community. All right, big shows next week. We got big shows next week. Uh, again, stay tuned here to True Crime Tuesday and Darkness Radio. Uh, we've got people lining up to be on the show. I, You know, I, I always say I'm a fortunate man. I'm a lucky man in that not only do I get such great support from you guys, I get such great support from the communities, the true crime community and the paranormal community. The other thing that I want to announce to you guys is that Tim Miley has officially added me to Potographs for Pups, which will be uh, at the Palmer House Hotel uh, in Sauk Center, Minnesota. And it will be taking place, actually tickets go on sale on the 26th, which is tomorrow. Uh, so you can get your tickets officially online on the 26th, which is tomorrow. Richard Estep will be there. I'll be there. Tim Miley will be there. And uh, also uh, on top of us will be Christina Rappel, a psychic medium from the Wisconsin Apparition Tracking Society. So, and all proceeds will be donated to Eagle's Healing Nest. So there you go. You can get your tickets at potographsforpooches.com. If you don't remember that, uh, go to the events section of darknessradioshow.com. We'll have a link and you can go there and you can get your tickets for the event. The event takes place May 18th of 2024. And it's just $79 for the ticket. That ticket gets you lectures for the day. It gets you an investigation of the Palmer House. And it gets you into the social hour afterwards. So come on out. Support the pups. Support the uh, Eagles Landing Nest. Uh, come say hi to Richard and Tim and myself and Christina and... Uh, support a good cause. So there you go. That's that's what I'll leave you with today. Uh, and we will see you on Tuesday for an, a brand new episode of True Crime Tuesday, brand new week of shows. And again, I just thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to join us here for the best in true crime and paranormal right here on Darkness Radio.